Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line, as always, David Mirakitani. I'm on the road in Cleveland this week. David, this is not nearly as entertaining as the last time I was here. <laughs> I'm assuming that was Mars, right? Indeed. Yeah, dog days of summer, right? Yeah, the weather's pretty nice, but uh, software training is not nearly as fun as NCAA wrestling tournament. I don't think I'm breaking any news on that one. No, sir. No. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's definitely, there's nothing as good as that week of NCAAs, right? I mean, I call it the best three days of the year, and I'm not even exaggerating. I love that tournament. <laughs> it's one of, the, one of the spots you and I became friends, man. So, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it never fails to deliver, that's for sure. Well, we're about as far away from that as we could be, but there's some international wrestling going on. Uh, this week we had the juniors at the Pan Am Championships and the senior Greco team over in Germany. Um, juniors pretty much cleaned house, uh, won the team title in all three styles, won a ton of gold medals. You know, David, they, uh, they usually do this in recent years. They usually go down there and perform well, but, you know, it's hard to tell how good the competition really is down there. Yeah. It's a, it's a chicken and the egg with, uh, you know, you don't, it's kind of like if you're in a really good or bad high school district, right? Like, you know, you don't, you know, the good news about being in a weak district is you usually get all your guys through, but then you're generally going to run into the tougher guys earlier in the state tournament. Conversely, if you're in a really hard district, you know, at state or, or like in junior college nationals or things like that, you know, you might not win your district or your regional, but you're separated farther from those guys going into the big tournament. So, um, you know, a lot of guys to say congratulations to. I'll just give a quick shout out to Savion Severado, St. Louis guy, CBC guy, who I've had a chance to sit in his corner for winning a gold medal. Really proud of him. And, you know, he's down there at Mizzou. So juggling, you know, becoming a freshman and, and folk style workouts and college orientation and, and going out and winning a Greco gold medal. Really proud of that young man. Yeah, he uh one of the few world medalist that was on this team we you know we don't even send our number ones uh so this is a largely the number twos uh, but obviously they performed great and obviously got some good international experience um it's interesting because you know you and i talked about this a little bit off the air but obviously there's nothing you can do about it this is our continental championship and you know we need to go and do well and with the senior level adding seeding points it's a better argument to pull our number ones in, but it's not necessarily ideal from a test standpoint. It's more of a uh, get experience and win some matches type of tournament. Yeah. Whereas if we were in the Europeans or something like that, it would be approached completely differently. Right. Right. Yeah. So it is, it's a conundrum, especially like in, in the seeding points, like you're saying, where if you're the number one guy, and we're, I guess we're talking about the senior level now, but if you're the number one guy and you don't go, and I go in your place, whether I win or not, it doesn't help you for seeding points, and that's a problem. You know, so it, it just gets tricky. I mean, obviously, America has done a great job with this. I'm always hesitant when people start saying we, because I'm pretty sure you and I aren't making those decisions, <laughs> but the, the, the powers that be are doing a really got, good job of making those decisions the right way. And, uh, but it is, it's, it's a juggling act because one of the advantages I guess you have 
of, of it not being as strong is you can enter some of your guys that are maybe not number one and they can get success and they can get exposure and that creates more depth. So I think that's a huge advantage. And that certainly plays in a lot at the age group levels, both cadets and juniors. That's a, that's a great thing. And that's a good point. Um, and, you know, at that level, it's probably not as important. You know, they're getting good tests in high school. It's not necessarily that we need to see the best in the world all the time. And even at the senior level, it kind of, I think it kind of depends on, the wrestler. I mean, Jordan Burroughs knows what the best in the world looks like. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to see that all the time. He understands what that level looks like. It's a little different when you have guys that are, you know, have only been on the international senior circuit for a year or less in some cases. Yeah, right. That, and I think that's the whole point of it, right, is, you know, it's a juggling act. And I don't think America is really worried about winning the team title or maybe I shouldn't say they're not worried about it. I just don't think they're putting a ton of effort into it. I think it's just happening because America is the best country, you know, among those, among the countries that compete in the pans. So it, it gives them some, uh, some leeway, but at the same time, you don't get tested, but those guys, you know, just saying you wrestled, you know, I coached and wrestled, you know, at a certain point you can't control who they put out in front of you. You just got to go win your matches regardless of whether they're easy or hard. So there's something to really be said for that, for guys getting it done. Definitely. And I think this is more of a, it's kind of a fan perspective when I look at it and go, well, I wish there was a little bit tougher competition. It's probably more of just a, Hey, I'd like to see some better matches, but yeah, it's still good experience. I'm, I'm confident that the USA wrestling staff, understands the competition they're going to see and build, takes that into account with who they send and developmental schedules and that sort of thing. So not an issue, just an interesting thing that I observe every year when we go down there and wreck people and it's like, well, huh, <laughs> I wish we'd been tested a little more. It would have been a little more fun to watch, but great job to those men and women that went down there and um, they will, I'm sure, continue to do great things. Um, yeah, I think it was like 17 gold medals, right, out of like 30 weight classes, something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. I know we won six in Greco, nine in men's freestyles, looking for the women's freestyle total, two golds but five silvers. So, yeah, that's pretty high success rate overall. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things, Alex, that I actually forgot to talk to you that we want to talk about is that there's a change on the junior world team with that 60 or 61 kilos with uh, Austin Gomez not wrestling. And then Vito Arugia is not wrestling because he's in the U23s. And then Jordan Decatur is also not wrestling. So that, that means my man, Josh Saunders, you know, one of the guys I help coach here in St. Louis is actually going to be the U.S. representative and joins a pretty elite group of guys this summer that have actually been on two world teams. So it's, I'm, I'm real happy for Josh and his family. It's, it's an awfully cool thing to, uh, you know, be able to, to qualify for. I did see that news, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's important. Um, Gomez is obviously out, had knee surgery. Um, I think he's expected back for the college season, but the uh, worlds are out. Um, it's an interesting chain reaction. I guess you've always got to be ready, right, if you're on that ladder? Yeah. Well, it's NGS for sure. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, those guys, 
Gomez beat Josh fair and square, but Josh was winning by like six points at the period. And Josh did beat Arujao head to head. He never got a chance to wrestle Decatur. Uh, they're scheduled to wrestle in October, but you know, he just got on the wrong side of the bracket to get a chance to wrestle him. So when you beat Arujao and then Arujao goes and wins under 23s and you're a high school sophomore, that, that says a lot, I think. Yeah. You know, we saw that last summer um, a couple of times where guys that didn't originally make the team got a chance and, and then went out and did great things. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Brooks winning the title and uh, Severato stepping up and making the finals, you know, both of those situations. So we know we've got some depth as you met, touched on earlier. Um, we'll see if Josh can stay on that type of schedule and bring home a medal. That'll be pretty cool to watch. Well, definitely. And it, it just shows those CBC guys with uh, Severato, we all call him Juice, but Juice and Josh, you know, staying ready and the kind of training that those guys are going through there with, with Coach Robinson that when the when they, you know, when their bell, their name gets called, they're ready to go. I think that's pretty awesome. Indeed. Um, Greco team was over in Germany uh, last week, came away with one medal. Dalton Roberts made the finals, ended up the silver medalist. We had several in the repshage, a couple that advanced to the bronze medal match. Just kind of what we've come to expect from Greco traveling overseas to these, some of these bigger tournaments. Close and had some success. Always kind of leaves you thinking point or two here or there could have been just a little bit better. It's a good way to put it, right? I mean, it's 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 tough. It's disappointing. It's just not what we as a country do full time. I mean, it's just in a nutshell, right? So it, that just makes it super difficult to to succeed in something. And you know, there's there's this argument about folk style versus freestyle, and I, it's interesting when you're on social media. I mean, if you have enough friends, it's like politics. You have people on both sides of it. But it certainly is interesting when I don't think there's an argument that folk style hurts Greco. I, just, I mean, I just think that's what it is, you know? So that makes it tough for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think obviously that's true. Um, I think having guys like Dalton Roberts succeeding a little bit is good from that perspective. I mean, he's only 22, you know, he's kind of devoted himself to Greco the last several years, you know, didn't go to the NCAA uh, folk style route. And that's, you know, that's something that Matt Lillen has been preaching, you know, to get those guys, at least, even if you can't get them in high school to go full time, by the time they get out of high school, definitely to either go to Northern Michigan or the training center, or, you know, got another college program started up now. So if he can keep, if those guys start having success, it's an easier argument to make hey, come win world medals. You don't need that NCAA title. Obviously, it's still going to be the minority, but that's his path to success, I think. So that, that's a good, a good news story out of this weekend for them. Yeah, I think what you're doing, though, is you're trying to really break some habits, right? Like, you know, where you grow up and you're like, I want to be an NCAA champion. And, you know, even the guys that have bigger goals, you know, like a Spencer Lee and a Yanni, these guys that, you know, like a Jaden Cox, Kyle Snyder, that are winning medals while they're in college, winning Olympic medals. They still think about wrestling in college. Maybe it's not as exciting because they're so good, but in general, it's it's still a big goal of theirs. So it's it's interesting. The the Greco thing is a complete complete paradigm shift. Like 
this doesn't need to be important to you anymore. That's, that's a struggle, I would think, you know, so uh, it's, it's going to be, that's a very interesting development. You know, it's, it's not an easy hill to climb. And I talked to Gary Mayab about it. I've been friends with him for a while and it's just not, you're literally trying to retrain people's brains. And when any time you're doing that, it's just not easy, like ever. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why Lindland's a good coach for them. Um, he's a little bit of a different guy, thinks about things a little bit different way. And that's that's really the kind of guy that you need to attract to the Greco program in the U.S. for all the reasons you're mentioning. You know, it's it's not a conventional path. It's not – I mean, it's a niche within a niche. And if you're going to succeed, you're going to spend a lot of years out of the spotlight, working hard, hoping that it comes to fruition someday. So I think that's the kind of thought process that you need. Um and to to watch Dalton Roberts succeed, he's been one of those guys. So, you know, I think we've talked a lot about it plenty on here that it, they're they're fighting an uphill battle, but they're continuing to fight. And of course, we're all rooting for them as Team USA. So, for sure, for sure. So we'll move on to the four teams this week that we'll preview for the Division One season coming up. We've got nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, which is. South Dakota State, Rutgers, Arizona State, and Nebraska. Um, starting with number 12, South Dakota State had 42 points. They continue to make history for them since moving back to Division I. Um, had their first NCAA champion, Seth Gross. Had three All-Americans, um, another round of 12. Really just a quality performance, but of course now they're dealing with their coach, Chris Bono, moving on. Um, and he takes Connor Brown with him to Wisconsin. Obviously, Seth Gross is the headliner. Can he repeat, and who else is going to step up to be with him, I think, are the main questions, right? Yeah, and, you know, as I was looking through this, I'm looking at how these guys did, and, for example, David Kocher had a major decision, so he had six and a half plus one is seven and a half, and Silverberg had five and a half, so that's 13 points gone. So even if Seth Gross wins again, and that's an awfully good way, especially like if a Suriano moves up, especially if a fix is there, those sort of things. I mean, Gross went major, major decision, overtime pin, and then decision, but he picked up one, two, three, four bonus points. So even if he wins, but I guess he could get pins in the first two rounds and sort of stay on that pace. So maybe it's realistic to think he can get the same amount. They lose Connor Brown, you know, who won a match. And, but, yeah, they, I mean, this is a team that's going to be – they're losing 13, 14, 15 points. That's going to be difficult to make up no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it's kind of tough to see where they're going to get, you know, get a few points back. Obviously, Riley Molitor is a solid young um, – Prospect at 125. That's an interesting one. Henry Polmar was a qualifier last year. He's back. Um, you wouldn't expect Alex Lloyd to go as a true freshman, but he could, I guess, if he's ready. Uh, you know, Martin Mueller was a national qualifier last year. He's back. Kevin Vo, I know a lot of people are high on him, but that weight's tough at 285. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to look up and down this lineup, and it, there's nowhere that just jumps out and says, yeah, this is they're going to gain points here. That's exactly right. That's the problem. There's nothing where you go, and and their best guy, and and credit to him, 
And he's doing this really cool thing on social media where it's like he's posting all of his goals and all these other people are sort of retweeting those or that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. And, and he's got some awesome goals that are in writing and everything else. It's just it's harder. It's hard to score more than 24 points at the national tournament. I mean, like, it's very, very difficult. He could wrestle great and not score 24 points. He could wrestle great and not win the tournament. That's, so it, it just becomes really difficult. That's true. And, you know, you mentioned that that weight is so tough. You know, the deeper weights, especially, you start getting tougher matches in the quarters and the semis, and then all of a sudden it's it's even harder to score bonus. And obviously you mentioned, you know, the Tariq Wilson match last year ended up being an overtime pin. Those are kind of those bonus that you didn't really get the bonus. We have to score it that way because you got the pin, but obviously it was overtime, so it was a super close match. Um, that's that's the kind of thing might not go your way two years in a row, so you're right about that. Um, I think, you know, we're all thinking they'll probably score a few less points, um, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, Damian Hahn comes in there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what his – uh, stamp on the program looks like and how that program continues. I mean, obviously Chris Bono did a great job. They're in a great spot. The community loves them. Uh, so be interesting to see if he can keep that momentum going. For sure. So I just think in general, if we're just being realistic and we've gone through these other teams, like for example, we talked about how in Oklahoma state and a Minnesota feel like their programs are going to go up a program like Illinois, it's going to be hard to make up those IMR points. This feels like a program that if they scored 42 points again, they would really have done something special, you know, that it's going to be difficult to get back to that number again. Absolutely. Moving on up to number 11, Rutgers, who scored 42 and a half points. Uh, you know, something I noticed while I was walking through this thing, it seems like they have a lot of guys that are going to be almost 30 this year. Did you notice that? Almost 30 years old. Right. <laughs> I mean, not really, but some of these guys have been around forever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got a couple of guys. Easy, young buck. Respect your elders now. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy on those old guys, okay? It was just you know, obviously you have Ashnault's back. Um, you know, Gravina has a sixth year around, but it, I don't know if he's going to be back or not. You know, he's been hurt, so I'm, I'm hopefully he will get healthy. Just seems like they have a lot of those guys that. You know, I mean, the NCAA has been nicer with the six years lately, and they've taken advantage of it, which is a good thing. Uh, it's just interesting to see some of these guys still wrestling. Well, and then they got the opposite with a kid like Soriano that lost a year. You know, so I mean, it, it's hard for me to rethink of Soriano as a junior, but that's what he is. You know, but you know, only seeing him one national tournament kind of throws that off a little bit. Right, and that's always going to be weird because, you know, he was such a factor his freshman year until he got hurt, and he, he got hurt so late that it's I, – I almost forget that sometimes, that last year was his NCAA tournament debut. He's been, you know, part of the national conversation for two straight years, just didn't get to finish that first year. So that's that's a good right. point. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, talking to – some people from Rutgers and reading various reports and message boards and different things. Seems like Soriano to 33 is less and less sure of a thing by the day. What are you hearing? I heard he's like got hollow bones that he just works out all the time. He can't really take weight on. And um, he just is, he's just a perfect 25 pounder. So, you know, I 
we've talked about this. 25 might be harder to win because if you go schoolyard pick of all the 25 and 30 Lees, 33, Spencer Lee's probably the first overall pick. But then you start adding the next guys, and it's probably easier to make, you know, maybe easier to win the bracket at 33. You know, it'd be harder to win the bracket at 25, but maybe easier to make the finals. So, I mean, Suriano's going to obviously go, and this is the understatement of the day. He's going to go whichever way he wants to, and I think he can score pretty similar to the same amount of points. And this is a team, they had DeLuca at 49, who was really good, but they had Ashnall, and I think Ashnall becomes immediate. This guy, if he wrestles to his ability, he'll probably be wrestling on Friday night in the semifinals, wouldn't you think? Yeah, he's definitely been on that trajectory, and it's it's hard to say anytime a guy has to sit out an entire year like that, and he's you know had the injuries, how he's going to come back. But if he's healthy, yeah. I mean, that weight is not stocked with national title-type guys, so, yeah, I would have to assume that that he has goals of finishing on Saturday night, and nothing says he can't do that. So I think that's that's what he – I'm sure that's what his expectations are. Right. But I think those are sort of, you know, not to, you know, act like we know everything, but those those expectations feel a lot more realistic than other people that think that about themselves. So it's just not a super deep weight, and he's as good as most of those guys. So it feels like, you know, that's something where it can make a big difference. Definitely. And, you know, I'm hope you know, I, it's hard to not pull for guys like that, that, you know, didn't get a shot because they got hurt. Um glad to see he got the sixth year and that'll, that'll be good for him. Um, hopefully he'll stay healthy. Um, definitely need Rutgers definitely needs him. Um, you know, they have, they lose Del Vecchio who is sixth at 133. And if Suriano stays down at 25, I don't think they have anybody there that can really do a lot. Well, they're, they're not in those points up. I mean, let's just hold Suriano at 25 for the sake of conversation. Yeah. I mean, Del Vecchio, that guy was legit for them. You know, he lost first round, but then came back through and scored a ton of points for them. You know, so, I mean, he got a decision, then he got a pin, then another pin. So, I mean, not only did he score six place points, which is 10 points, he scored 14 points for them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think if Suriano was a, could get to 33 and be a legitimate full-size 33, I think their lineup might be a little bit better because I'm hearing good things about Nick Aguiar coming from California. Obviously, he's got a red shirt, so it's not a big deal, you know, if he has to take a year. But Aguiar-Suriano has a little bit higher ceiling than Suriano and then probably Metzler. So Yeah, I agree with that. You know, but if you say you subtract 14 points for Del Vecchio and then another couple points for DeLuca, right, because he went two and two. Right. I'm trying to look at his results here as we're talking. Uh, he just two decisions. So only, you know, literally only one point on the back. So 15 points. Ashnall can make those points up. Oh, sure. Certainly. So they have Van Brill back, so he's a push. They lose Richie Lewis. So, I mean, he was a round of 12 guy, but didn't score a ton of bonus for them. You know, probably a guy that was better during the regular season than he was in terms of scoring points for them at Nationals. Right. So, they feel like a team that could score, you know, 42, 45 points again. They, I mean, they need to get Suriano to the finals, and they need to get uh, Ashnall to the finals. So, they have two guys in the finals. That's minimum 32 points, plus some bonus, plus you have a Gravina, plus you have a Van Brill. You know, then you, you, you can get in that 45, 50-point range. 
Definitely. And, you know, you punch Van Brill through to be an All-American and get Gravina up there, and suddenly you're going up a little bit. So they definitely have the potential to go up, um, but it's not going to be easy either. If if I told you their over-under was 42.5 for this year and everybody stayed healthy, what would you put them at, over or under that number? Well, if I knew they stayed – if everyone was healthy, I'd go over. But if I had to place money right now, I'd go under because you've got Gravina and, and Ashnall. You just can't bet on them staying healthy for an entire year, both of them, for sure. Um, right. But, yeah, if they're if everybody's healthy come March, yeah, I'm betting the over, I think, which yeah, close. I'd be sweating it out, but <laughs> I think I'd take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess maybe I'm a little more optimistic, but I think, you know, I, th- I think, I, I think they're going to be right in that 40 to 45 range. So 42 and a half feels like a really sort of fair, even money kind of bet for sure. Yeah. That's the best over under when you're having to think about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not that any of us know what those terms mean in terms of gambling, but just theoretically, we might know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. We might've so. thought about it a time or two. Uh, moving on up to Arizona State, I'm going to let you get on this one. Uh, you talked to Zeke Jones not long ago, and you have a pretty good insight on the Sun Devil lineup, don't you? Yeah, I talked to Coach Pritz, and uh, um, so at 25, it'll either be Milhoff or Courtney, 33, Josh Kramer or Klein, 41, the transfer, Smith, Mason Smith, or Demison or Crooks. Uh, 49, they've got a good problem in Maruca or Villarreal. 57, Josh Shields, but also Pangaleo's there. Um, 65, this is going to be interesting for people listening. Uh, Jason Peterson or Pangaleo, they're going to redshirt Anthony Valencia this year. So, you know, we'll talk about how that impacts their their team points. And then the other one that I think is going to be maybe a shock, a lot of people have him projected to go up. But Zahid is going to stay at 74. Norfleet's going to stay at 84. Belshay or Porter will be at 97, and Hall's back at heavyweight. You know, so I think some of those you could we could figure out on our own. But I think where Zahid was going to go was going to be interesting, and I think that was going to impact whether or not Norfleet took a red shirt or not. And then Anthony taking a red shirt is something I'm not sure any of us really you know saw coming. Yeah, I you know, when you first told me that Zahid was staying at 74, Anthony was the first question I had to ask because it kind of makes sense in that regard. If if Zahid's going to be at 74 and we've seen Anthony have, you know, seems like he has trouble making 65 for two years, it kind of makes sense in that regard. But, yeah, I don't think I'd seen anybody thinking about that before you told me that was going to happen. So that's interesting. Um I like their lower weight depth. I was really interested to see how the Milhoff Courtney Kramer thing would play out at 25, 33. It's interesting to see Kramer go to 33. He's been really solid over the years, but hasn't gotten a lot of chances to start um, because they've been so deep down there. Um, and then, you know, Courtney's going to, you know, Milhoff's not going to be given the spot either. So he'll, he'll be pushed. And um, Mason Smith coming in from central Michigan, another guy that's just really, you know, has had some big wins, has, you know, has a chance to be really good. And then, you know, Maruka and Shields is solid 49-57 too. So they they have a lot of interesting talent down low. And, of course, the Heat the champ at 74. And some some other interesting, uh, you know, younger guys in Norfleet and Belshay up there. Uh, those are the guys I think they need to have step forward to really keep taking the next step. Well, what's interesting is if you look at points, right, like, and, and that's what we're kind of doing, 
So Milhoff had been an All-American and didn't. So he went two and two. You feel like Milhoff or Courtney can do that. Allie Nazer, I mean, I know he's beaten some hammers in, in freestyle, but he went 0 and 2, so they can't do any worse. Villarreal didn't qualify. Mason Smith did, so they probably, so far they're up. You 49, she, uh, searches took seventh, you know, but Maruka lost to him in sudden death overtime in the wrestle offs. Now, searches beats everybody in sudden death overtime, but I mean, it does say something about, you know, he, he could be right there. It's just, you know, he's a round of 12 guy. He's got to get through that round of 12 for them not to lose points. Josh Shields is back. They'll lose some points with Anthony Valencia being out. Zahid's back. Norfleet, I feel like, and I think you probably agree, will probably do better than 0-2 this year. Belshay didn't qualify, so he can't do any worse. And it sure feels like Tanner Hall is going to probably medal this year from instead of going 2-2. Two and two. I mean, if they medaled at 25, they medaled at 49, they medaled at 57, they medaled at 74, and they medaled at 285, you wouldn't be shocked. And if that happens, they're going to score way more points. Yeah, I mean, you asked me the over-under on Rutgers. If, if you're putting the over-under in Arizona State at 43, I'm betting the over and not even questioning it at this point. Like, they they should score more than that. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned what, – what, what if I put the over-under at 53 points? Well, that's, that's harder, but I'm still probably taking the over. I think this is a 60-point team. Honestly, um, you know, I mean, you, know, you and me, we, you and me might take turns setting some lines on these teams and then we'll do a chicken wing bet at the end of the year. You know, that, how it turns out. that'd be a lot of fun to do at this point in time. I mean, it's, that's fun to do at the national tournament as well, but having to forecast how guys get better and injuries and all that stuff, it's fun to follow that all year. So I, I like that idea. I think we could do something like that, but you know, you, know, you mentioned Valencia lose a little bit of points, but you know, he was two and two. So you're not losing a lot there. And you got two former right. Americans that didn't last year. And yeah, it's just everything lines up for them to be able to make a run. Obviously Zahid's not going to score a lot more points this year than he did last year. But if he's at 74 again, you're, you're betting on him to win it again. So, um, you know, everything points in the right direction for them. Uh, I, I, I don't see them scoring any less than they did last year for certain. We're saying that assuming that, you know, like Hall or the 125s get I'm going to get on the stand. And I think the the you know, if we think like a Maruka can get on the stand, especially at 49 that isn't as deep, then that, you know, that makes up for the Anthony two and a half points, you know, but and searches his points. So, I mean, that's really what you're losing in a nutshell. Because, like we said, Nathan went 0-2. And, you know, we talked about searches his points. And the only really other guy that's, scored points that isn't back is Anthony. And I just looked at it. He had one win on the front, one win on the back and a major. So that's two and a half points. I mean, you know, one guy gets a pin and you're, you know, you're, you're good there. So that's not a huge, huge issue. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise anyone if Maruka scored as much as Sertzis, even if he doesn't make the stand, because obviously you're not looking at a lot of bonus points there. And, you know, Shields could bump up to the fifth place match or the third place match, you know, that kind of stuff. And then all right. of a sudden you've made it up. So they just, they have a lot of ways, you know, when you're looking at tournament points, I mean, you know this, so I'm just kind of making a point, but you look for teams that can score in a lot of different ways. You know, that if, if one guy goes down early, it's not going to be the end of their hopes. And they, they just have a lot of ways they could score points in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, obviously they need the heat, but everybody else kind of, you know, they, they have a chance and they have some wiggle room there. So I, I like that 
that's not a recipe to win a team trophy necessarily, but it is a, it is a recipe to do a little bit better than 10th place in the country. So I like their chances. Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure. I like the idea of uh, setting some, some over-unders. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So maybe once we get through with this top 20, we'll have to circle back and (laughs) do some of that. Yeah, for sure, man. So we can, you know, and then we can prove once and for all how much smarter you are than me. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Every time I gamble, I lose. So I can't be that smart. <laughs> oh, then I might win. Because <laughs> that's okay. I like my chances now. I love it. All right. Okay. All right. It's good to think about. So the, all right. Last team this week is Nebraska, who finished ninth last year with 47 points. Uh, obviously, they lose Jason Renteria, who transferred to Iowa. They gained Zeke Moisey from West Virginia, who transferred in. Um, they're all Americans were Chad Red, Tyler Berger, Taylor Venz. Uh, you know, they kind of were what we think Arizona State might be this year. A lot of guys that were pretty good, but they're not losing a lot. You know, they, they bring back all three of their all Americans, they add Moisey. Renteria missed weight, so you're not losing anything there. Isaiah White's around to 12. He's back. You put Labriola in at 174, and this is a team that could be going up also. Is that what you see? With a caveat, okay? And the caveat is, you know, Tyler Berger, you know, scored some bonus along the way. You know, like, he well, just one, but he got a pin, you know? And, you know, so that helped. And then Taylor Venz was decking everybody at Nationals, right? So, you know, I mean, that that was another thing where, you know, he scored, you know, he got, I'm looking at it, two majors and a tech, so not tens, I'm sorry, but, you know, scored some bonus along the way. So, yeah, I definitely think he had a tech, a tech, a major, and a major. So, one and a half, he had, four, he had five bonus points. But if you look at it, like you said, Moisey's a huge upgrade from McGinnis, right? So, like, conservatively, let's just say that's like eight points. They can't do worse at 33. Chad Redder played in the same at 41. Carrington can only be like one or two points worse, and that's not necessarily the case at 49. Maybe they give a few points back because 57 is good. I mean, there's two hammers there, so Berger has to be the best of the rest. But Isaiah White feels like he can place. I mean, that's a really good weight, but if he punches through, that's a minimum of three and a half extra points. Labriola is a guy that can only score more points than what Bresky did. So, yeah, I would agree with you. You know, I, I think their number is 47. I mean, what if you set it at 50, saying 55 and a half? Where do you go? That's a tough one. I really like Labriola. Um, and Vins has been a bonus point machine at various times. It, he had a weird middle of the year where he didn't score a lot of bonus points, but he pinned everybody early and then was a hammer down the stretch. So I think he's going to do that again. I think I go over, but I'm sweating that one a little more. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously. I, it's got a good number. That's what I like to hear. No, I like <laughs> I like the number. Um, you know, Moisey, Moisey's a tough one. I could see him going two and two. Um, or finishing in the, you know on the podium again so that's a tough one red i think you're right i you know about seventh is probably right that you're looking for right now burger i think gives a couple points back. isaiah white is the one that gives me pause because he wrestles a lot of really close matches 
I could see him again in the round of 12 going down, or I could see him finishing in the top four. And it's really hard when you wrestle that many close matches, it's really hard to gauge, you know, where he sits. Little t- small improvements could make a huge difference for him. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what to make of him, but like I said, I, I love Labriola. Venz is, is a hammer. You know, Schultz is kind of like Isaiah White. He's not as good, but he wrestles a lot of close matches, gives some of the top guys fit. So again, little improvements could, you know, see him wrestling for an All-American award uh, Friday night. So that's the kind of stuff they're their margins are going to be thin. It's going to be kind of a tightrope act, I think, with them this year. They have a lot of chances to move up, but I think all those guys are kind of dangerous. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. I mean, you know, a guy like Berger, like I said, there's two hammers at 57, and no one's expecting him to go beat those guys. But, you know, he's been competitive with everybody but Nolf, and nobody's competitive with Nolf. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, close that gap even more. It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. But, again, like, Berger feels like – I don't know how big he is, but if he could make 49, that feels like where he could do some serious damage. You know, obviously it's better for the team if he's at 57 and Purinton's in the lineup. I got the 65 bracket in front of me, and just real quick, Joseph is back, Imar is gone, Wick is back, Marcel is back, McFadden is back, Marinelli's back, John J. Chavez is back, and Chandler Rogers or Joe Smith is back. Now, so that's seven of the eight All-Americans are back. Now, the only guys that were in all the round of 12 guys were Chad Walsh, Richie Lewis, Nick Wanzek, and uh, Isaiah White. So Isaiah would bump up to eight. And then the guys behind him would have been like Tayshon Campbell, Brandon Ashworth, and now the Valencia is out. So it feels like he's on a tier up there. But you also had a Bryce Steyer, and you also maybe add back a healthy Logan Massa. And he had to beat one of those guys in the round of 12 that we just talked about. Yeah. So it's not like some, sometimes we just assume, well, the guy was round of 12, and uh, you know, like, okay, was he going to win one more round? Well, it might not be that easy. It definitely won't be easy, but if you look at his losses from last year's tournament, he loses in sudden victory two to Vincenzo Joseph, four to two, and he lost in tiebreaker one to John J. Chavez, two to one. Now, he also beat Richie Lewis two to one in sudden victory, but that's, that's kind of my point. Like, he's going to be there. He's one of those guys that might need to win a coin flip or two, you know, but if you're pushing Vincenzo Joseph to sudden victory two, you're close. So he again, he could be around a twelve, or he could be, you know, a revelation. It's hard to say, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's a high ceiling guy, right? I mean, you know, in high school he, he put it on Vincenzo, you know, but that's why you know people keep developing and they get better and you take different paths. And certainly Vincenzo improved a lot more in a Penn State room than he did in Notre Dame room. Um, so I. I but again, it's interesting because a lot of the teams in the 13 through 20, I would say over half of those teams, if I were picking, I would say they were going to go down in points. doesn't mean they'll go down in place because maybe someone, nobody's going to catch up to them. But when we look at three of these four, I feel like South Dakota is probably, if you're kind of going green, yellow, red, I feel like South Dakota is a red. Rutgers feels like it's a yellow. And Arizona State and Nebraska feels like they're both green. You know, which is going to be interesting when we get into, you know, five, six, seven, eight next week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, 
and of course it's easy to pile up points on paper and not not have that come to fruition especially when you factor in injuries I'm sure that one of these teams that we're looking at that looks green right now will have one of those seasons where no one can stay healthy and something will happen but yeah when you when you bring in Labriola who beat Jacoby Smith last year like uh, yeah that that 57 through 84 is just insane for Nebraska so they definitely look green I would agree yeah, and Labriola is also on a weight where it's not as deep, right? So, like, you have Zahid back, you have Mark Hall back. You're the top four back, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but Cutler. But, I mean, you know, Koser's gone, Bo Jordan is gone. You know, then you've got, you know, Kemmerer moves up. But, you know, Labriola feels like he's right in that mix with, like, a Taylor Lujan, Dylan Lighty, Ben Harvey, who were all in the round of 12. So, you know, he feels like he's going to probably at the very least be wrestling in the blood round on Friday night. Yeah. And then you yeah. figure in that every now and then those red shirts just jump another level when they get in the lineup. And I mean, I don't, I don't know that Labriola has another level entirely because he's already awfully good, but those guys are always dangerous. You just never know when they're going to come out and be world leaders. And so like, high on him, uh, it'll be a really interesting year in Lincoln. Yeah, I think they got it going in the right direction, though. The Moisey pickup was huge for them. Not only do they get Moisey, but they get the redshirt Alex Thompson, which I think helps them twice. Because Moisey would be way better than Alex would be this year as a true freshman, and then Alex is probably going to you know, be a lot better over his career because he gets to take that redshirt. Yeah, I'm sure they wish one of those guys was a full-size 133 because I don't know who they're, what they're going to do there, but it, yeah, in the long term, they're going to be a lot better because of that. I, I agree with that. Well, you, I mean, you're right. But, I, you know, when I coach, people get too hung up on dual meets. Like, no, you know, even like Penn State a couple of years has had like a hole at 125 or something like that. Like, you don't have 10 point scores. It just really happens. So it's not really, you know – you don't. You certainly don't just like assume it or accept it. But the reality of it is, is that's what it is. You're not going to have ten point scores. So I'd rather have, especially a weight like 125, which is hard to fill. Where you're like, I feel really comfortable if I'm Coach Manning that I'm going to have an All American this year, and I'm going to have a guy training with him who I really liked enough to start when, you know, when we interviewed Jordan Burroughs and him in December. They were planning on Alex Thompson starting. Now they don't have to. I think they're really going to like him. I feel like they're in good shape for the next, probably to be All-American at 125 for four out of the next five years. And anytime at any weight you're like that, you have to feel good about it because it's almost like, okay, I can set it and forget it and go look at another weight. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this, and that would be more of a short, short-term view of needing one of them to be 133 because obviously, like you said, Moisey's done after this year. It's, then it's all Alex Thompson, and I'm sure they'll be recruiting somebody at 133 to uh, fill that gap. But it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you said moving in the right direction. I don't think there's any question um, that Manning has that program you know, solidly in the top 10 and uh, looks like another chance to be in the top 10 again this year. Yeah, for sure. Yep, absolutely agree there. And maybe even moving up a spot or two. Yep, and we'll obviously break down eight, seven, six, and five next week. So we'll see if, which teams they'll have to jump. Um, I, I think they'll have to hold off Arizona State at the same time. Uh, right. 
you have anything else for the people today, David? For the people. So the um, by the time this goes on track, it'll be over because we're recording this on Thursday and it'll go up on Friday. But um, so I am going to in advance congratulate Jack Clark, Randy Couture, and the U.S. men's wrestling team on a successful L.A. gala that'll be held in a couple of hours here. Um, been able to talk to Jack for about five, six weeks. Really an awesome guy working as Fanny off of the U.S. Wrestling Foundation. And they have a huge online auction, all kinds of cool stuff, like uh, the jacket that, like, Mark Ruffalo wore in the Foxcatcher movie, like all kinds of unique one-off items. And so I really want to, you know, encourage people, you know, obviously you can't go to L.A. if you're not already there, but you can go on this auction. There's, like, uh, Kyle Snyder signed shoes. I'm looking at it right now. Beat the Streets jacket from Cliff Keen the Olympic day flag, uh, just a bunch of stuff from the movie vision quest, that's autographs to plays, throwing dummies. Resolite looks like there's a mat here that you can bid on a Dave Schultz, Leroy Neiman lithograph. So, I mean, just a lot of cool stuff and all that money goes to the right spot. So I really, I hope people will listen to this and cause I know the auction will be open even after the event is over where you can still go online and buy it. Very cool. Check that out. I'm going to be doing a little shopping, it sounds like, since I'm stuck in a hotel room. <laughs> I'll be emailing you the link here in a little bit, buddy. All right. <laughs> Good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.